Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. Hello, everybody. Uh, I have in front of me a guest of the federal government. Uh, our not our first guest, but he is a uh, a transitional guest because we want to do more programs t- telling people how technology is influencing their their jobs and their organization. Victor De Leon, welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, Victor, uh, and that's De Leon, if you haven't gotten that, <laughs> is a branch chief of intergovernmental affairs for the office of the commissioner at the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, right? Yes, Customs and Border Protection. That's right. Border Protection. I'm sorry. CBP. <laughs> um, and we are very pleased to have him. He knows a lot about uh, jobs in the government. He knows a lot about how to get jobs in the government. And specifically, he knows a lot about uh, now the CBP. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um First of all, he, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Victor. Uh, he is a, uh, a very active in the Hispanic uh, community uh, with DHS. Mm-hmm. He uh, is the founding uh, president of, uh, I'm going to pronounce it, Adelante. Uh-huh. Adelante. Adelante. DHS Adelante. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. So, um I've been with the DHS family now uh, four years, and prior to moving to CBP, I was working for DHS HQ um, at the Secretary's Office, also in Intergovernmental Affairs. And a couple years in, some colleagues of mine were talking about, do we have an employee association specific to Hispanic and Latins, Latinos, that we can maybe build on to create a pipeline of mentorship and uh, kind of how to navigate the bureaucracy of uh, federal service. And so they actually had this brain, they created the, the brainchild of DHS Adelante, and then most of them were appointees and me as a public servant continues to serve. Uh, they left after the Obama administration and they handed it over to me. And they said, here are the bylaws, here are the charter, uh, here's a charter. Can you just run with it? And I said, absolutely. And so that's how that came to fruition. And uh, that's where I met you most recently a couple of weeks ago at our uh, inaugural networking event at right. one of Chef Jose Andres's restaurants. Yeah, I mean, you you honored Andres uh, with so, I mean, he must be very flattered that you would have taken the time because he has done so much for the, for the public sector. Yeah. So the work he's done, specifically in the last federal uh, furlough, um, you know, he was he was how's he was helping so many folks and feeding them. Those folk, you know, federal servants, public servants that couldn't, you know, 
put food on the table or maybe just needed a helping hand, his his food lab assisted with that. So our idea was let's toast a thank you to Chef Jose Andres at one of his restaurants and DHS Adelante was there to do that. And we had so many federal agencies there, as you saw when you were visiting. Yeah, names few of them. Sure. I was surprised that yeah, there were so, that many. Uh, we, we heard from NASA. We heard from Treasury. We heard from IRS. We heard from uh, uh, Justice. We heard from so many different agencies and said, hey, a lot of our folks also benefited from this. Although this is a DHS Adelante event, can we attend? And we said, absolutely, the more the merrier. So there was a, a, a cross section of federal agencies present there. And it was uh, it was a wonderful event. And so, again, hats off to Chef Jose Andres for everything he did for the feds during the furlough. Well, the next time you do it, you have to have it in a larger building, a larger because you were it was a packed house it was a packed <laughs> packed house yeah. and i and so i can test attest to that uh, and test to the good work that that andres does as well mm-hmm. um okay back to you uh, i know that you have uh, a masters and you you came from texas that's right. So, so fill in the details. Okay. So, so uh, where are you? Where are you in, in the in the brothers and sisters sibling hierarchy? I am the youngest of four. Youngest. I'm uh-huh. the youngest of four, <laughs> okay. and uh, so yeah, I was in Texas up until. I accepted this position with DHS, now CBP, four years ago. And in Texas, I was working for the Texas Workforce Commission through one of the workforce boards. And uh, my primary responsibility was the public affairs um, and, and getting the message out and the great work that we were doing and the, the different resources available for the individuals looking to go back to school or find some of those skill sets in order to get a better job, um, et cetera, or remove some of those barriers that some of them faced in order to go to school or get a job like childcare or uh, fuel for their vehicle and so forth. So it was, it was really, really neat work that I was doing. And so in doing all that, I, you know, found a position on USA, excuse me, usajobs.gov. And One that few people know. <laughs> yeah, probably a needle, on, probably a needle <laughs> in the haystack. And, yeah. and so I took a stab at it and I said, you know what? Maybe this this guy from South Texas. I'm specifically from McAllen, Texas. Oh, and I said, as well. <laughs> yeah, I said um, maybe I can maybe I can do this. Why not? I'm going to throw my hat in the race. And so I applied through USAJobs.gov. And fast forward, believe this or not, four months later, I had a job offer and I moved to DC. Four months later, you had a job offer with DHS. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. You have quick. to tell us a little bit later about how you how you did it. How Absolutely you happy to <laughs> maneuver the system. So you're telling me that you worked in workforce all the time since you graduated from college. So it, in after graduating from college, I had several jobs in the private sector. You know, from doing media to doing banking, um, advertising, and all that kind of brought me into the Texas workforce. And that's what I'd been doing for about five years prior to moving here four years ago. And you said that when you were with uh, the Texas workforce, it mm-hmm. became a, a gold star for for workforce development projects. We were doing some amazing work. We had a, a really good contractor called C2. Um, and that contractor really just elevated the work that we were doing and brought in so much technology and innovation, including virtual job fairs. C2, and is that the company that's here in D.C.? No, it's, oh. it's a different company oh, okay. in Texas. I, they, they probably have contracts all over no, the place. Okay. And that, that's a, a, 
a, a, a cheap plug that I did for them, but uh, okay. they're, they're a great organization that we worked with when I was there. Okay. Um, and so they continue to do great work, and they really elevated our our voice and our profile that we were being recognized nationally and statewide on best practices and how those could be replicated across the country. Wow, it's impressive. So what did you you have you speak you speak Spanish? Mm-hmm. You speak French? I so I went to uh, part of my grad school was in Morocco and I had to learn French and Arabic in addition to my native tongue of Spanish and English. So so out of curiosity, why did you go to Morocco for graduate school? So the the, the program that I was at at uh, then it was called University of Texas Pan America, and now it's called University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. They had a, a, a sister program uh, with Mohammed V University in Agda, uh, Morocco. And so they were offering a select number of students, it was maybe 10, 10 of us, um, to transfer over for a semester and really get immersed in the culture, kind of expand the international relations portfolio, um, as well as public administration. And by doing so, we had to learn the languages of French and Arabic, which are the languages that were primarily spoken there. Uh, Berber is a third language, but it was French and Arabic. And so that was part of my grad studies. And it was it, it's, it's really helped me tremendously in just um, developing a cultural sensitivity across the board for, for many different cultures beyond Morocco um, and languages as well. So it was a really neat experience. It sounds impressive. It sounds like something that you would find in a uh, movie. <laughs> have languages, have a job, <laughs> we'll travel. Okay. Um, so you got a job uh, after four months. <laughs> That's right. With DHS. At the Tell us about your office. job at DHS. Sure. So and it's different than the job you have now. So Right. So um, what was really interesting is I, I applied for the job in September. It closed in October. And then in November, I was getting several emails about interviewing for this position. Those emails were going to my spam box. So please check your <laughs> spam box if you're applying for jobs. And so um, the deputy assistant secretary at the time um went over and beyond and called me directly and said, hey, we've asked you a couple times for an interview. You haven't responded. Are you still interested? And I about fell off my seat because I, I didn't understand. I hadn't received those emails. Again, they were in my spam box. So we then did a virtual uh, interview via Skype. It was about a, a two-hour interview with four panelists on on the D.C. side and me in Texas. And then after that, I received a verbal offer. Then I received what they call a handshake, uh, a written offer. And then fast forward. A month or two, I was in D.C. and just like that. And then the story begins. That's right. And then the story begins. <laughs> but your passion—I mean, regardless of whether it's public or private sector—has seems to be media, communications, and media. I've been told I have a face for radio, so I've kind of enjoyed a face for radio. <laughs> so I, do I. As a matter of fact, I, I enjoy communicating, and I mm-hmm. enjoy sharing resources and opportunities. Not only because I feel I've been a beneficiary of a lot of those, mm-hmm. and and I didn't know a lot about this about this stuff, and so it was through my mentors, it was through individual research, it was through expanding my comfort zone and and doing something different or trying something else, uh, you know, going to Morocco, etc. So I I feel I have benefited a lot at at the age of forty. I feel like I could die tomorrow. I'm a happy man because I've I've, I've let's repeat that he's forty years old <laughs> and he has achieved. His wildest dream. Wildest I, well, I, dream. I feel like I, I've been I've been very blessed and, mm-hmm. and very fortunate. Um, I still want to get married. If my girlfriend's listening to this, she should live, pay attention. <laughs> I still want to get hey, married. <laughs> um, but uh, so 
in, in, in using radio, using television, using social media, using you know a variety of platforms of communication, I enjoy sharing whatever I can that I experienced and certainly anything else that I learned that perhaps others can benefit from, including, you know, the internship opportunities for STEM at DHS yeah. or the USAjobs.gov website that I benefited from because I'm right here right so, now. So uh, before we could talk about, about that, uh, we're going to talk about uh, how the broad career paths mm-hmm. and how one enters it and et cetera. Uh, but, uh, but before we go there, Tell me, are you are you happy in your media frame role, or are you going to try something else? You see something else along the the horizon. So I I, I definitely enjoy what I'm doing now. I, I feel very fortunate to do what I'm doing. Um, I I don't want to close myself off to other opportunities. I would like to expand something at the international level. I, I've worked at the city level. I've worked. At the nonprofit level, I've worked at the state level. I'm currently working at the federal level. Um, naturally, I feel my next step would be something international, even if it's within DHS or, or CBP. Uh, but that is something that I'm looking forward to. And that remind that brings me to our conversation about work, mm-hmm. workforce, which is one of your areas of expertise. Um, the the I, I think best describe what you do now is. In color fashion, color tone, you have a blue, green, and a tan orientation mm-hmm. in your work, which is CPP, and CPP is part of Department of Homeland Security. That's right. And uh, so, do people apply for jobs to Department of Homeland Security or through? CBP. They can do both. So if they're interested in working at the department headquarters, then they would apply for the Department of Homeland mm-hmm. Security. Uh, within the Department of Homeland Security, there are several components, including Customs and Border Protection, which is where I work now. Uh, you know, but there's also Secret Service. There's FEMA. There's ICE, USCIS, TSA, and so forth. Um, but within CBP, we have three uniforms. And one is the green uniform, and that is Border Patrol. Uh, the next uniform is blue, and that's Office of Field Operations, also referred to at times as Customs. And then the third uniform is tan, and that's the Air and Marine um, folks. So those are the three uniforms that report to CBP, who then reports to DHS. Is it will is when I when I was researching uh, CBP, I. Uh, you, uh, I thought I understood there were three missions, mm-hmm. the, the Border Patrol, Trade, and Terrorism. Mm-hmm. Now, but I didn't understand that it was the three colors. So can yeah. you tell me how those three fit into your color, sure. color zones? So our, our, our three pillars are travel and trade border security, and countering terrorism and transnational crime. And our three uniforms, whether it's Border Patrol, OFO, also known as Customs, or Air and Marine, AMO, uh, they all play a very intricate role in in those three pillars uh, in protecting the nation, protecting the borders, and protecting all the communities between our borders. I see. Uh, Okay, I've been told that we have to uh, stop for a second, so we're going to get a a word from our our station and we'll be right back you are listening to the workforce show on WERA 96.7 FM you can find more episodes on SoundCloud MixCloud and iTunes hi I'm Cynthia Gurn the executive producer of the workforce show and I'm Charlie Ross audio engineer 
So we're going to uh, get back into our regularly scheduled program in just a couple of minutes. But first, we're here to ask you to take a moment to make this program and others like it possible by making a gift of $25, $50, $100 or more. You can pledge your support by going to www www.arlingtonmedia.org or www.wera.fm or by calling 703-524-2388. That's right. Listeners can directly support WERA's community producers by giving now. Their tax-deductible gifts will help provide Arlington and the surrounding area with the finest non-commercial talk and music radio in the region. Our members' generous pledges will go toward providing equipment and facilities that will help all of the more than 80 different shows that are currently on the schedule to continue. Well, that's a lot of great radio for very little money. WERA's volunteer producers give their time and their effort to provide our community with the very finest non-commercial community radio found anywhere. With your help, they will be able to continue to provide Arlington and the surrounding areas with thoughtful, inclusive, innovative, and compelling radio content. It's more important than ever to have a community radio station that features programs that celebrate our wonderful community and all the great people who are living and working here. It's not media, it's community radio, a completely different thing. You see, it's amazing what happens when you get people out from behind their computer screen into a place where they work together to create content that doesn't just confirm people's biases and prejudices, but actually explores the issues that matter to them, that informs them and helps them. So is that what they mean when they say that WERA builds communities? Yes, that's exactly what they mean. Media doesn't have to be polarizing. It doesn't have to incite the worst in us. It can be uplifting and inspiring and thought-provoking. And that's what you find on WERA 96.7 FM. You know, that's amazing. When you think about how much WERA's volunteer producers give to our community every day, But for them to keep giving to you, they need you to give to them because WERA isn't interrupted by commercials every two or three minutes. It's member supported. That means that you're a big part of WERA, Arlington's only radio station. And if you agree that it's a wonderful thing to have a radio station that's dedicated to serving and not dividing our community, then we're asking you to take a moment right now to support WERA. You can call 703-524-2388 and make a contribution over the phone, or you can go to WERA.FM and do it online from your phone or computer. The easiest way to support the station is by becoming a staining member. You never have to worry about renewing your support. You just sign up and have your contribution automatically deducted from your credit card, and then forget about it. It takes just a few minutes to set up your sustaining membership on WERA.FM or by calling 703-524-2388. The sustaining membership is easier on your budget, and it keeps this station stronger by providing a steady stream of revenue throughout the year. Thank you, everybody, and hope you hope you uh, contribute and hope you find the programs useful. Okay, so so the the three colors of customers that are go across the mission of, mm-hmm. of the organization. Tell me, have you in the time that you've been in in CBP, have you seen and in DHS, as a matter of fact, have you seen the work and the in, the organization being affected, transformed, if you will, by technology and? Eh. 
Sure, absolutely. So our folks um, in the field, uh, whether it's our our branch, you know, through AMO or you know, field um, offices through Customs or sector through Border Patrol, they're constantly evolving because the, the threats are constantly evolving. So it it is imperative that we continue to evolve as well, including our technology. So our personnel is constantly being trained on new tactics and new ways to combat crime, and in, again, including. A board security, um, countering terrorism and transnational crime. But the technology they utilize is key as well. At a lot of our ports um, across the country from Canada into the U.S. or land ports or uh, Mexico to the U.S., you'll see x-ray detection. You'll see um, some really cool gadgets that uh, our folks are highly trained on and specialized to detect narcotics, to detect uh, any sort of nefarious things that may be happening or could be a potential threat to the country. So in, in that, in that uh, vein, do, do you uh, do the three colors? I'm going to call them the three colors. Sure. Uh, who, do you design this technology or do you use contractors or how is it, how is it, how is it created and how is it embedded in your organization? That's a great question. So it's a combination of both. Um, we do have an office called S&T, and that stands for Science and Technology. And those are the folks, as, as best the way I, I describe them, it's, it's if you can imagine Mission Impossible <laughs> and all the cool gadgets, that's S&T. That's, they they p- talk on their their shoe and their absolutely. phone. That's like Adam's. Yes. <laughs> and, and so the, 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 the folks at Science and Technology are like the, the coolest smartest people I know in, in developing this is this technology but you know they work very closely with our, our private sector uh, partners and uh, what have they developed what what are the, some of their best practices how can we incorporate those and how can we then uh, customize them to the needs that we have across the DHS enterprise and certainly for CBP as well so although uh, we want to special you know we want to target and specialize our conversation uh, around STEM fields mm-hmm. and the technology, we had to think broader than that. Mm-hmm. So can you first of all tell me what are the occupations are that are that are are available that are present in CBP? Okay, so we are hiring uh, actively for officers and agents across the three uniforms. Uh, and again, that's the, the green for Border Patrol, <laughs> the blue for OFO <laughs> Customs, and the tan for Arid Marine. Um, so anyone interested in, in those um, in those particular jobs can go into usajobs.gov, um, or you can go to our, our, our website, cbp.gov, and, and look at the different uh, uniforms, look at the different missions, look at what um, they're looking to, to do across the nation. We have pretests available online. We have uh, study guides available as well. So uh, we're actively recruiting. We might be in your neighborhood, and if we're not there, <laughs> you can find us virtually as well. So tell me, uh, like I'm, uh, I'm a young young girl or boy, and I'm looking at occupations. Mm-hmm. And what, why should I look at CBP? Well, um, we're pretty cool. Ah, <laughs> as mean, cool as NCIS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, our, our, our mission is pretty broad, but very specific. And again, from from trade and travel and border security and countering terrorism and transnational crime, I mean, there there's something for everyone within those three pillars of CBP. Um, we're, we're constantly growing. We're constantly evolving. The pay is great. The benefits are excellent. Uh, the camaraderie between um, all of our 
colleagues is pretty neat too. Um, and, and of course, I'm, I'm slightly biased, biased and partial to it, but uh, it's a pretty neat organization. This is the first component I have worked for within DHS other than the DHS headquarters. I've worked very closely with FEMA when I was deployed to Puerto Rico uh, for the relief effort after Hurricane Maria. Um, so I worked very closely with them as well. They have a, a, a extraordinary mission as well. So it just really depends on what's your interest, what motivates you, what's your passion, and trust me, we can find something for you, and hopefully at CBP, because we are hiring. And and that's that's the big picture, but how do I navigate? If I want to want an experience, I want to get in, and I, I've already made my mind up that CBP is for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and so how do I how do I get the job? How do I get an intern? What, well, there's a really good program through usajobs.gov called Pathways. And all you have to do is Google usajobs.gov and Pathways. And this is open for high school students, um, undergraduate students, uh, graduate students, and certainly recent graduates. This is just what it's the name says. It's a pathway. It's a it's a uh, a springboard. It's a pipeline to get into what you're looking for. So you can start as an intern. Some of those internships are paid, um, or you can start as a federal employee at. Uh, at whatever GS level you're eligible for, and then expand from that. Because once you're in the federal service, you can do a rotation, you can do a detail to any sort of um, office or agency within the the federal service that is looking for something that is of interest of yours. Um, and so there's there's always opportunities. So we're going to conclude with this, uh, with your story. Uh, I know uh, among the different you among the different things you do, mm-hmm. you go to Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, during Hurricane One, mm-hmm. and you were there for Hurricane Two, mm-hmm. and what happened? So, so tell us a story. This sure. Is so funny. If you if you don't think that there's excitement in CVP, <laughs> listen to this story. Well, again, this this speaks to the the rotation and detail opportunities within the federal service, and I and I benefited from that as well. Um, after Hurricane Irma had affected. Uh, the island of Puerto Rico, uh, they were looking for individuals to go out there and, and assist with intergovernmental affairs and liaison work and, and so forth. I signed up. I speak Spanish. And so I went. And then a couple weeks later, here comes Hurricane Maria. And the majority of the people that were able to evacuate, evacuated. There was a seat for me on a military plane to do the same. I opted to stay. Uh, my girlfriend still has not forgiven me for this. Um, <laughs> your girlfriend. I hope. I hope you're ready to get married as soon as as soon as tomorrow because your girlfriend oh, deserves it. <laughs> I I opted to stay, so I survived the storm in a commercial freezer along with uh, other uh, colleagues. And uh, as soon as we were able, we hit the ground running on day one or day zero um, and assisted. Coast Guard and CBP and DHS and all the other agencies that were present to help Puerto Rico. It was a it was an amazingly rewarding experience. Scary, uh, but uh, yeah, that that's my Hurricane Maria story in Puerto Rico. Well, I thank you very much for coming and joining my us pleasure. today and hearing your story. And it's an interesting story. It's a. Uh, if I were younger, I might consider joining, but... Uh, it's never too late, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.